This is the Value Investor Podcast with Tracy Reinick. All things value, all the time. Welcome back, value investors. It's been about a year since the massive coronavirus stock sell-off of March 2020. That's when basically the pandemic began here in the United States and most of Europe. Remember that? I mean, we, we all remember, but it has kind of faded in terms of what was going on with stocks during that month. Now that the stocks have rebounded and are back making new highs, it is definitely easy to forget that that sell-off kind of ever happened, right? But to become better investors, it's key to look back and see what, what were we doing during it as investors? What could we do better if this happens again? And what kind of lessons can we learn from that uh, you know, super swift, crazy sell-off, and even the rebound? Because we're always learning as investors. There's always something new going on, even if you've been investing for several decades. I mean, heck, you could have been investing for the last 50 years and you've never seen a global pandemic and what the stock market did. So it's good to look back and kind of see what can we learn from that so that we can, like I said, be better in our investing and maybe, maybe I don't know if we can be, but maybe be prepared if we ever have, heaven forbid, another global economic type shutdown like we just endured with the health crisis. So I put together a couple lessons and then I'm going to talk about some stocks that are values today, one year later, what industries are values now that we've gotten a little bit beyond the uh, pandemic and now we're on the road to recovery I think some of that is interesting as well. So let's start with the lessons. So the very first lesson really should be don't panic. If you're a long-term investor, um, you know there's no reason to actually panic. The better thing to do if you get a sudden huge swift downturn like we saw in March 2020 is really to stay the course. So the March 2020 sell-off was such a quick event that if you panicked and sold everything, and I know some people who did, um, I've always said, if you can't sleep at night, you have to make changes. So if if you weren't sleeping then because of the stock market, not necessarily because of the pandemic part of it, but because of the stock market or it was all just causing you anxiety, then it's fine to get out and to make changes, to adjust your plan, your investing. But if you were still able to sleep, and so that part wasn't freaking you out, um, if you sell everything, sometimes it, you know the rebound happens and you don't get back in. So I know some people who did that, and then the rebound in this case happened so quickly it was very difficult to time anything. So really the sell-off could be done by the time you're even like, you know, cashing in or adjusting your portfolio or, you know, after you decide to do it, it it could already be kind of ending, which it, it basically did in 2020. So the better course of action is really on any kind of sell-off, not even just one associated with a global pandemic, is to have a, have your plan, know your own risk tolerance, 
And usually, if you're a long-term investor, you just stay the course. So that's the first lesson we had to learn from last last year's sell-off is to stay the course. Don't panic. Okay, lesson number two is that if you did have some money on the sidelines and you were looking for an opportunity to buy last year, you didn't have to get in at the very low. You don't have to be a good market timer on the rebound from these quick sell-offs like this. Um, so it was a super quick sell-off. Once Congress started to push through and then passed that huge $3 trillion aid package, remember that one, the very first one? They moved extremely quickly. Within like two weeks, they were passing that thing. And as soon as they did that, stock market and Wall Street felt at least a little bit better and they you know stocks started to rebound and were off those lows so it was nearly impossible to time it correctly i'm sure i'll get some tweets from some of you saying tracy i did it i timed it i i got in right at the very lows and good fantastic but mostly that's just luck right so but the good news is you don't have to get that lucky you don't have to time it and get in at the very low with many of the stocks, in fact, most of the stocks, you could have bought in April, May, June, even later, July, August, and you would still be doing well with that purchase, most likely. Because as we now know, stocks did rebound and have now taken out and gone to new highs. So in my Zach's Value Investor portfolio, uh, we got knocked around real bad, as everybody did a year ago, and I did end up selling a lot of the positions to contain losses, but that is the uh, kind of parameters of that portfolio, even though it is a long-term hold. We didn't sell everything. I did stay in some things when it was looking kind of dark, but and that, that did pay off for us, uh, but some of the others we did have to get out of. So one of those was actually Pinterest. Now, we had owned Pinterest a couple times. Um, we bought it right before the pandemic uh, shutdowns actually happened. We bought it on February 13th, 2020. Yeah, talk about that timing, right? February 13th. I thought I was getting it pretty cheap at the time. It was 23.68. And I've always liked Pinterest as a company. And I know even before the pandemic forced us all to stay at home and be on the apps and everything. Um, I knew they were changing, turning it around. They were getting a lot of uh, cool features on there about shopping and with advertising. I knew revenue was going to be ticking up and um, I, I just like their plans. So I dove in as shares got weaker there in middle of February, but then the huge sell-off happened and we couldn't even stay in even till mid-March. So we sold out on March 6th. That was only like, what, three weeks. We were in three weeks, we were down 22%. So we had to kind of contain our losses and get out of there. But I love the company still. So we bought in again. We bought in again on May 28th. So um, almost three months later, three months later, we got in at 1989. I sold out at 1830. So that wasn't that bad. It, it, hadn't, it hadn't rebounded that much yet, like some stocks did. Um, and now we're up 247% in the portfolio right now on March 10th, 2021. 
So, yeah, we bought in several months after that downturn and still it was fine. And then I bought in Pinterest for my own personal portfolio many months after May. I'd have to go back and look and see. I think it was in like August, maybe late summer is when I I bought in for my own personal portfolio. So I did not get in at 1989. It was much higher in the 30s. And even then, I was fine. So keep in mind, you don't have to get in at the very low. Another stock that I bought in the Value Investor and we bought in well after the lows was Penske Automotive, ticker PAG for that one. And at the time, um, we bought in on July 1st, 2020. So again, well after the March lows. And when um, I added it, shares had already rallied 40% off those lows. So we clearly didn't get in it at the bottom. No, Uh, but they were still down 22% for the year. And the forward PE was still um, 14 or yes, um, under 15 at the time, even with the rally off those lows. Now, business was just starting to rebound. They have some business in Europe. They have some uh, automotive retailers over there in the UK and a couple other countries. And so they do have exposure to the shutdowns and restrictions and things going on. But autos have remained hot. A lot of the sales have gone online. People aren't even going to the dealerships. They're just ordering their cars. And so that has helped them. So these shares are hot. All the auto retailers are hot, but Penske up uh, 112% now in the portfolio. So since I added it on July 1st, 2020, and that's hitting new highs and still cheap with the forward P of 14.8 right now, even after this big rally. So again, the second lesson to learn is Yes, it's great if you can time the bottom of some kind of big sell-off, a bear market pullback of some sort, even a 10% correction. Great, but you don't have to normally in these kind of market conditions um, because especially if you see huge sell-off, 30 40%, you know, takes take some time normally to rebound for those. So you will have time to get into good businesses even later. Okay, lesson number three is to buy the leaders. They're winning for a reason, right? That's why we call them the leaders. And in many different industries, when the crisis hit, it was the leaders that continued to lead. So the strong retailers continue to be strong. The strong technology stocks continue to be the same thing buy the best, whether or not it's in a crisis or not, those that are turning it around or getting new management and don't know for sure what direction they're going in or not earning any money or a bad free cash flow. You know, all the, all the bad ones, but I know many of us like to think like, Oh, that's an opportunity because they may succeed in turning it around and they may, but Going with the strength in the coronavirus sell-off, even if you just held it through it or if you bought it during it or after it, was the winning strategy and continues to be even now that we're out of the crisis. So um, also buying the leaders or the winners doesn't necessarily mean buying the biggest, even though many 
of the winners are the biggest right now, but it doesn't always mean that. It means buying those with the solid balance balance sheets, the good cash flow earnings, if you can, and hopefully they have the management in place so when a crisis does hit, that they can survive and then thrive because that's what you want. You are an owner if you're a long-term investor. You own that company. So you want them to to be able to make it through any kind of crisis, right? So that's the lesson by the leaders in the industry. Don't buy the laggards. Okay, so turning to the value stocks of today. So it's one year later, who is still a value today? We know that a lot of the tech stocks have taken off. The valuations are not in the value camp if you're going by just classic value fundamentals of like PEs and you know price to book and you know price to sales, that kind of thing. So if I screen for value today, I'm not gonna find many, if any, tech techie kind of names in there. So um, but I wanted to see who is still considered to be out of favor undervalued, kind of being ignored by the street because that's what uh, us value investors want to see and want to look at to invest. Okay, so I ran a screen with Zach's rank of number one or number twos. So I included both so I'd get a bigger universe. Once I include both ones and twos, which are the strong buys and the buys, I'm gonna get a, a little over 800 stocks, maybe even a little over 900, somewhere in there, eight to 900 stocks. So that's a pretty big universe right there. Then I looked for PEs and this screen had a trailing PE. So it's gonna look at last year, um, trailing PE under 15. And then price to book was under three. I threw that in there to get the price to book. And then this screen also had a dividend yield, because why not? I know a lot of us are looking at dividends right now. And so this one, dividend yield above 2%. So that puts a, a little bit different uh, category for these stocks, because they have to have some decent cash flows, even with the pandemic still going on, in order to pay a dividend uh, in these types of market conditions. So that tells you a lot about the management and what's going on at the company that they're still paying this dividend right now here in 2021. So I ran the screen and I got 115 matches. Wow, I was surprised by this. Uh, I didn't think I'd get that many stocks, even with the number two ranks in there. Uh, that makes it a bigger screen, but with the dividend yield above 2%, wow, um, and this many cheapness. So what is in the screen? It was a lot, a lot, a lot of banks. So the banks are hot. They've all got high ranks because as that 10-year rises, it really does go to their earnings. And the bank analysts know it. And as the 10-year rises, they have to raise the earnings estimates on the banks. So that's what's been happening. They have been raising earnings estimates on the banks. So a lot of number ones plus number twos in the banks, including the regionals and, and the I'm not even talking about like the big international banks like the JP Morgans. I'm talking about the regionals and the bigger community banks, not the community banks, although there might have been one or two on here that only have like, you know, 50 or 100 branches or something and they're in like one state. No, the bigger communities that are not really regionals, but kind of, I don't know, it's like a weird category but they're still small cap stocks, but they are in maybe three or four states with their branches, um, but they're not 
you know, they don't have the assets that the bigger regionals like a PNC has or someone like that. So a lot of them were on the list. And I know I've been saying it. I do want to do a podcast on the banks because I feel like this could be a turning point for that whole sector uh, or industry, so to speak, and that this could be the decade of the banks. So we need to talk about them. But that's still to come. So I left the banks off of these choices um, because I'm going to cover that later. And there was also a lot of logistics companies on here and then some food companies and some energy, but not many. So I think the energy still are mostly in the ranks of like number threes. And so they don't or they're not paying the dividend quite yet because a lot of them cut it during last year's crisis. So they either have the wrong dividend um, or they don't have the right rank. So not many of those, but um, I did put together three companies that are kind of interesting here that tell you kind of where, um, you know, the market may be going and the economy, the global economy here heading as we head through 2021 because I thought some of these were interesting, just the areas that these companies are in. Okay, so the first stock is called Echo Petrol. Ticker is EC. It's been a long time since I talked about this one. It's a Colombian oil company out of Colombia, and they are one of the big oils down there. So um, they're basically kind of run by the government in the, in, in the way that they you know control oil companies. But um, they do pay a dividend. Right now it's yielding 6.2%, but it's like a percentage of the, of the cash that they bring in. So that may change, and it's only an annual dividend. So you're going to get it in one big chunk. Um, again, ticker EC, the trailing PE is 14. The forward PE is 11. Price to book is just 1.6. Shares are only up 6.4% over the last year. But earnings in 2021 are expected to be up 228% as crude prices have risen, demand will rise. That's a good thing for all these oil companies. But this is the only one that of the big ones that showed up on the screen. And so I thought I'd include it, even though it's a little bit out of the norm compared to, say, an Exxon or a Chevron. But it is a competitor of those two companies. So that's Echo Petrol. Ticker EC. Interestingly enough, on a side note, Penske Automotive did make the list. It was the only auto retailer that made the list. It's paying a dividend right now of 2.2%. And that's uh, PAG that I mentioned earlier that I own in the value investor right now. So I'm not going to cover that one. Um, second stock is one of the auto retailers. There were a couple on here, and I chose Toyota this time, ticker TM. Um, great company. They were having some issues like all the auto uh, manufacturers are with the semiconductors and that's going to be delays. But sales down this year, 7.3% through fiscal 2021, but up 13% next year as it's coming off of uh, the low original low pandemic sales that hit last spring. And now demand is high. Everybody still wants autos. Um, EPS is on the rise, so it's not a value trap here. Uh, PE is at 14.7. That's the trailing. Forward is at 11. So forward P of 11. 
because those earnings estimates are on the rise and looking good, the peg is just 0.99. So it has a one peg, which does indicate value. It's got growth and value. Price to book is just one. Um, dividend yielding 2.4% for Toyota. So it might pay to look outside U.S. auto manufacturers and take a look at some of what's going on in Japan and Korea and other places. But this one, Toyota, ticker TM. And then the container ships continue to be super cheap and super hot. So I thought I'd include one because I haven't really talked about them that much over the course of the last couple of years. They went out of favor, but now they're back in. So the one that made the list is Triton International. It's one of the big ones that leases and sells the intermodal containers. They're headquartered in Bermuda, um, but they are global. So trailing PE is at 12.8, forward PE is at 8.2, so pretty cheap. Price to book is two. And the big dividend, because they've always paid this big dividend yield when things get hot, it's yielding almost 4%, like 3.9% right now. So that's uh, pretty hot. The shares are hot too, up 109% over the last year, with most of it coming in the last couple of months. But nobody can get enough of these containers. Everything on logistics side and shipping is super hot. And so they're at like utilization rates of basically nearly 100% with rising, you know, lease, lease rates and all of that. So the containers and the container ships, the, the ships that actually ship them across the ocean, all of that is super hot and really cheap because we've got rising earnings estimates with them. So no value trap there. Now, a couple others that showed up on the list were the food companies. And... I took kind of a look at a couple of them, but I feel like some of them are just a little more trappy here, a little more value trappish, because earnings aren't really going to go anywhere for 2021 because people will start eating out more. They will um, abandon their kitchens, hopefully, as the year goes on. And while sales aren't going to plunge, with any of the food companies um, and some of, of the trends that we've developed and the um, habits over the last year will remain, but it's it's going to slow some. So that could mean falling earnings and sales or just you know basically peaking out and then falling slightly. So while the stocks are cheap and they do pay dividends, um, I feel like on the reopen, we can do better. We can do better with companies that are going to be able to take advantage of the reopen that still remain cheap. Even the banks, the banks fall into that category. They're still cheap. They will be beneficiaries on any kind of economic uh, recovery or boom. It, the banks always will boom when there's a boom. And so they're being ignored too. So I'm just kind of staying away from some of those food companies. They will pay the dividend to try to lure me in of, you know, two, three, four percent even. But I feel like we could get the growth plus even a dividend yield and um, see some gains in the actual underlying stock going forward here through 2021. So sticking away from those. So just to recap some of the tickers on this week's episode. So I did talk about Pinterest, P-I-N-S. It's no longer as cheap as it was, but it did just pull back sharply again in this growth stock sell-off. So if you can get it on 
a cheaper level, I still really like it. I still own it in the value investor and they're growing quickly, just going to launch in Latin America shortly, if not already. So I like a lot of things going on there and I do own it in my own personal portfolio. The other uh, stock I mentioned that value investor also owns is Penske Automotive, ticker PAG. That pays a dividend yielding 2.2%. They are also on the logistics side and have some like truck dealerships and a logistics business that they own a portion of. So I like that component plus the auto retailers. So a lot going on with the auto stocks. Um, a couple of the others are also at trading near highs. Um, so we could still see some more rally here in 2021 because we are all still buying cars actually. And then switching over to some of the others, uh, Echo Petrol was the one big oil that showed up on the screen, ticker EC, and it's supposedly yielding over 6%, but it's annual. And so we'll see. I think it pays it out in the summer, I want to say, is when they when they did the dividend. So we may see shortly what's going to happen with that dividend. Uh, Toyota Motors is the other one, ticker TM, for the auto manufacturers. And then on the container ship side, Triton International is one that showed up in the screen, ticker TRTN with nearly a 4% yield, still cheap and almost 4%. So we're covering a lot here on The Value Investor, and it's been a long year since we had that coronavirus sell-off. We made it through. We made it through the year. It's been tough but we have. And so hopefully we're moving on to better days with the vaccines rolling out. We're going to defeat this virus. We're going to move on. And so there's going to be a lot going on on Wall Street and with the stock market and with value stocks. So be sure to follow us somewhere to get all of our podcasts. We're on Apple Podcasts. We're on Amazon Music. We're on Spotify, of course, but Follow us somewhere, and I'll see you again next week with some more value stacks. This material is being provided for informational purposes only, and nothing herein constitutes investment, legal, accounting, or tax advice, or a recommendation to buy, sell, or hold a security. Do not act or rely upon the information and advice given in this podcast without seeking the services of competent and professional legal, tax, or accounting counsel. Publication and distribution of this podcast is not intended to create, and the information contained herein does not constitute an attorney-client relationship. No recommendation or advice is being given as to whether any investment or strategy is suitable for a particular investor. It should not be assumed that any investments in securities, companies, sectors, or markets identified and described were or will be profitable. All information is current as of the date herein and is subject to change without notice. Any views or opinions expressed may not reflect those of Zach's Investment Research as a whole.